is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Live from the Tap House Grill in Montgomery. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunker. Welcome in. It's a Monday night after another perfect week for the Cyclones. Alongside the head coach of the Eastern Conference leading Cincinnati Cyclones, I'm Nick Brunker. Glad you are with us for the next 60 minutes as we talk hockey. And of course, a big weekend coming up as the Cyclones have three games over four days. And then, of course, after that, they go down south and out east for a bit. And then after that, hopefully, we will be talking about some Kelly Cup playoff games in the next handful of weeks. Of course, we, we have to uh, go right off the bat and talk about the success that this team has continued to have. You've won uh, seven in a row now and 12 of your last 13. Tell us how it feels to be looking down at everybody else from the top of the pile. Well, it was a great moment after last night. Uh, you know, our focus was... Uh, you know, to go in that game and, it was, you know, just getting points. I mean, that's what we've talked about from uh, the latter part of the season is going to get points. But knowing that if uh, we win in Evansville last night, would be a top Eastern Conference. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, walking back in that locker room last night and see the excitement on guys' faces, knowing that we're in first place in the Eastern Conference was uh, a big deal. I was, I was happy for our guys. They were gen genuinely excited and, um, you know, they're always aware of what's going on. So, uh uh, it was really nice to um, to get that two points last night. We'll take your questions as well as we move through the hour. We have a live mic, so please get them ready and come on up at your earliest convenience if you like, and you can ask the coach questions as well. So we have a couple special guests. Mike Embach, who had a career night last night. He'll be with us in just a few minutes. And the Director of Player Development for the Florida Panthers, Mr. Brian Scrudland, is here as well. We will talk with him about a whole bunch of things coming up. Uh, in the next 60 minutes as well. Uh, over the weekend and really even throughout this whole long streak for the Cyclones, uh, it's had pretty much everything. This week as a whole has had close games. It has had physicality. It has had great defense, incredible offense. Anything that you can ask for, of course, with the wins as well, uh, this week had for your team. And I know that at this time of year, you, you hear that cliche about peaking at the right time. It is a really fun time to be in that locker room right now, isn't it? No, absolutely it is. And we were, uh, you know, we were playing a team, uh, you know, with Cal Mizzou going, moving forward into the weekend here that, that needed to win. You know, they're a team that's uh, uh, won this division for the last three years. They're a veteran team. They're muscle memory strong. They know how to win. Uh, they've got their core leadership in place for the last three years. So, you know, heading into this weekend, and especially in Cal Mizzou, is uh, – it's a tough place to win knowing that a team that needs to win hockey games. So, uh, you know, to go in there and uh, and beat them was a, a great moment. It was a heck of a game, you know, being up 3-1 and them getting 3-2 and then to battle back and uh, mm -hmm. or hold that lead was uh, tremendous to get those two points. But then to come back home and then, uh, you know, beat them 4-1 on our ice was a real dagger to that hockey club mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, like I said, they've had so much success over the last three years. And, uh, um, you know, moving forward into Sunday – Evansville, a place that we've had trouble this year. Just uh, just their style of play and the game they drag you into. And I was so proud of our guys, the way they stay focused. I mean, you don't expect an out nine-goal nine uh, outburst, but uh, <laughs> um, I tell you what, it was a tremendous effort from yeah. start to finish from our guys with jo Josh Burkholz getting that first one, setting the tone, and uh, Mike Embach for the next 59 minutes taking over. It was uh, pretty uh, <laughs> incredible. Uh, you talk about just the way uh, this team has played, and in spite of everything, you look at this team as a whole right now, and you look at the stats, and you look at the results, and you say, wow, that's a pretty good hockey team right now. And I think it, at first you take the roster and you think, they've been playing with a full deck, right? All the great players that you've had over the course of the season, maybe stacked from the American League. Oh, no, not only do they not have a lot of their players that they've had over the course of the year that have found success, but you played two under the normal with 14 skaters last night and picked up your best offensive output of the season, despite having uh, a limited roster and guys playing out of position at times, you're still finding success. What is that formula that you've been able to kind of tinker with to get the type of results you have? Well, I, I, I think the greatest thing about our group right now and, and it's been throughout the years that no matter who comes in our locker room, they're accepted. Uh, our guys welcome them in with open arms because they're here to help our hockey team. They're here to help us win. I think it, it says a lot about the group we have. I think it says a lot about the guys that have stepped up. Um, you know, David McCann has been absolutely tremendous for us uh, for, for quite some time now. And, and he, he plays any role we ask him to play, whether he's our first-line centerman. Michael Pellet goes up to Connecticut, and David Pican 
you know, is all of a sudden our number one centerman. He's mm -hmm. playing on our number one power play unit. He's killing penalties out there at the end of periods, out there at the end of the game. Steps up. You know, uh, you know, Josh Burkholtz coming in. Uh, you know, Matthew Aubin, his leadership, which is not always evident on the ice. You can't see what happens in the locker room. Has been absolutely tremendous what uh, mm -hmm. Aubin's been, been doing this season from a leadership standpoint. And, you know, Danny's playing any role we ask him to play. So I think, you know, we, we have the ability to bring people in from different uh, places and, and they fit right in because our leadership and the quality of people that we have in our locker room accept them and, and expect them to help out. And uh, it, it's been great. You know, uh, JT McDonald comes in, doesn't miss a beat. He's part of our hockey team. You, you mm -hmm. step foot in that locker room. You're on our hockey team. You're here to help us win hockey games, and you're part of it. And uh, I can't be prouder of the group of guys that we have and the excitement that's uh, going on in our group right now. And I know that that comes back to your work and Matt McDonald's work, finding guys that are going to, to mesh with the team. You, you don't bring in character guys that are, are going to clash with people. Because I know, like you say, everybody's welcoming. Everybody wants to be a part of the group. And, and, and when somebody new comes in, you do want them to just be welcomed in. But at the same time, chemistry is so important. And I know that is one of the top things that you look for as you're making your checklist for guys that you want to bring to this mm -hmm. club, that they're going to mesh with everybody else. No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, character goes a long way. I think uh, uh, the guys that we brought back, that was a big part of it. I, I think the uh, the players we get from the Nashville Predators, from, you know, Jack McClellan and, and Charles Roussel, I can't say enough about guys like that, that especially a guy like Jack McClellan hasn't been here all year. He's here for a week and a half and, and is committed to this hockey team mm -hmm. and, and is excited to be here and wants to help us contribute. The character of the guys that the Florida Panthers have brought here, is absolutely tremendous. Um, you know, it doesn't matter which uh, which guys. I mean, starting from our goaltending with Michael Hauser and Brian Foster, just uh, two guys that have a have a, are emotionally invested to this hockey team and have a care factor through the roof that we win. So, um, you know, it's it's great. It's a great environment. So you can bring people in, and uh, they have no choice. They have no choice but to buy into what the rest of the guys are doing because the success we're having and the quality of people we have in that locker room. Uh, I think a, a really good gauge, maybe a benchmark for where this team has, has been from a character standpoint, uh, last night, obviously everybody's happy, spirits are high, uh, driving back from Evansville after another perfect week and certainly uh, just a demolishing of the Evansville Icemen. Uh, you had guys texting back and forth with Garrett Wilson and Jack McClellan, and, and the, the idea that, you know, they're gone right now, but they're certainly not forgotten. They are as much a part of the mix, even by proxy. They're, they're in Texas or wherever they, they are at this time. Jack, of course, in Milwaukee, but uh, they're still connected. They're still involved, and they want to be here. They're, in, they're enjoying where they're at, don't get me wrong. And I mentioned it on the air the other night, but they're very much still a part of this group, even when they're not here. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny last night just driving back and uh, it, believe me, social media. I, I have email <laughs> and I text, um, but I don't know what these guys are doing with communication. But uh, you know, they've got about four or five guys, a um, couple from Milwaukee and San Antonio, just uh, doing whatever they do. They're, they're this what what is that thing, Nick? Where they you know you Google chat? Well, you get a. Uh, Someone's making fun of Garrett Wilson, a guy with a big nose, and it's sent out to his group. And Willie's getting it down in San Antonio. Basically a mass <laughs> text, yes. So it's just a big uh, <laughs> thing that's going on between guys in San Antonio and whatever. And, uh, you know, it's kind of fun that, um, you know, the interest uh, I get. I'll even get texts from certain guys just saying, hey, keep her going, great job, mm -hmm. you know, happy for the boys and stuff like that. So, you know, it's um, – you know, it's exciting for us. I think this is something that uh, the last uh, little bit has obviously been something that's uh, uh, well-deserved. We've, we've had a very solid season, but over the last little bit is something that really has been special for our guys, and they're aware of it. And I think the guys that are up in San Antonio, the guys that are in Milwaukee are aware of it and, uh, you know, are generally excited for our, our group here. And uh, um, whether we get those guys back or not, uh, if the call comes that we get them, we welcome with open arms because they are – instantly a big part of our success a big part of our locker room um you know and if we don't get them back we know they support us from afar mm -hmm. so uh um it's like i said it's the the, the job the the uh, you know we've done this year with our core group the job the nashville predators and the florida panthers 
have done with their players is absolutely tremendous. A couple of housekeeping items, of course, just this afternoon, as you probably expected if you've been keeping an eye on uh, the NHL wire, is that uh, Brian Foster is headed to San Antonio at this hour uh, after Jacob Markstrom was recalled to take the place of Jose Theodore. So I guess the, the main question in a lot of people's minds is who takes his place for the time being? Obviously, Annette, it's Hauser, but on the backup side, who do you have in mind? Well, when you're in Cincinnati, if you can pick up a Rose, you got us. So we're bringing Jeff Rose back <laughs> for uh, not gonna backup, Not going to put so. him in number 14, are you? I no, don't think you can, I'd love to take that 14 out of the rafters <laughs> and put him in. But uh, just kidding, Mike. Just, just kidding, bud. He, he wouldn't put 14. Uh, you haven't smiled yet since you've been here, so I was just wondering. <laughs> ah, there you go, big guy. Come on, man. 12 out of 13, Mike. Come on, big guy. Uh, the other big news of the day, although nothing official as of yet, it will become official tomorrow morning. Uh, you have traded uh, for a defenseman. Certainly you've been banged up back there a bit of late. Who do you bring in? Uh, Peter Child. Yeah, thanks, Brunks. I was on a different thought there. I thought we were still talking about the rose petal. No, um, no, no more rose petals. No, we're bringing in Peter Child. It was an opportunity to bring up a guy. Uh, you know, at this time of year, you know, everybody's losing guys, gaining guys. Wheeling got into a situation where they've uh, got a surplus of defensemen. So with the dealings with Wheeling and throughout this year, obviously you guys see us, we're always making trades with Wheeling, Trent, and Orlando. And there, there's no secret why I, the, the relationship you have with those coaches. I think we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, those are people I trust. Drake Berhowski down in Orlando and uh, Clark Donatelli in Wheeling and Vince Williams in Trenton. You know, these are people that are good trading partners. So, you know, when I have something way to help them out, I'll help them out and vice versa. So we're in a situation now where, you know, Wheeling has excess defensemen. So, you know, we got Peter Child. We're mm -hmm. in a situation where we have five, five defensemen. Let's pick him up. Let's see how Ellington's doing for his availability on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, we picked up Peter Child. He'll be here tonight and um, most likely in the lineup on Wednesday, uh, depending on Taylor Ellington's availability. Kind of springboarding off of that, you, you mentioned Ellington and, and the injuries for right now. Uh, give us a sense of where, where the guys that haven't been in the lineup, namely Ellington and namely Convoy, are at at this hour. Well, right now, Taylor Ellington's going to skate with us tomorrow. That's the plan. Let's see how he does. Pre-game skate on Wednesday, and we anticipate him being available to us on Wednesday night. Um, Andrew Conboy is in a cast. Uh, within a week, he's going to get that off and potentially be put in a soft cast, and within a week from there, maybe be able to play. So, you know, that's still um, two, three weeks away. Uh, David Nicoletti's still in a boot from a hairline fracture in his foot. That uh, those things, uh, those things are like clockwork. It's four weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, as much as uh, he might be feeling better, it's a four-week injury. So there's some, so there's going to be some decisions to be made at the end of the month on who's available for our playoff roster. But uh, as of right now, instantly, uh, uh, another guy is Matthias Lindstrom with a uh, a lower body injury that. Uh, We'll sell he responds tomorrow and his availability on Wednesday also. As we look ahead, certainly the goaltending has been the stability. Everybody has played great defense, whether it's it's guys like David McDonald, forwards, back-checking. Everybody has been a part. And to have as good of success as you have had, it has to be a, a team effort. So it's not like, okay, you're, you're six back there, or in some cases five, uh, are all doing what they need to do. Yes, that's true. But guys that are, are out on the forward line, maybe trying to get into the corner but realize, oh, crap, the puck goes the other direction. i got to get back and back check. I think there was a perfect example the other night where I think it was actually Mike Embach who, who came into the corner, got a puck, and ended up getting a shot on that rebound, quickly transitioned out to center. He hauled his backside to get back, get right back into the play, and that's the type of commitment, that word commitment, that makes this team so dangerous. Yeah, you know what I mean? Everybody to a man uh, is committed to uh, our success, and, and you can see it, and, uh, you know, you talk about the stats on different guys that step up and get game winners and guys that do different things. Every night it's something different. I mean, you know, Bacher last night steps up in a game where we need someone to take charge of that thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, anybody else, Josh Shala the other night gets a hat trick. And um, so it's just different guys always contributing. And, and, and I think that's a sign of a good hockey team where, you know, we don't rely on one or two guys because, uh, 
you know, we're all committed to doing the same thing, and uh, any any given night, somebody can step up. Michael Hauser is a nominee for ECHL Goalie of the Week again, and I do believe, I honestly do believe that tomorrow we'll be announcing him as the winner of Goaltender of the Week. We will find out together sometime in the late morning, maybe early afternoon, so we'll have to just wait and see for that. But you, you talk about a guy like him, and really Foster last night, I think, just carried the load as well. Uh, I think it just goes without saying that to have the duo that you have had to play night in and night out, you know what you're going to get. There is no question that there's going to be a full 60 minutes put in by them. They're going to bail you out at times. Your defense is going to bail them out at times. It's a very uh, cohesive patchwork for these two. And every night, it's the same story. Great, solid, composed goaltending. You know, when you have success like this, there's, uh, you know, you look at games that are 2-1 or these, some of these close 3-2 games, there's always a save or two by House or Fozzie that um, makes a difference. And uh, whether it's late in the game, a 3-2 game late in Toledo, um, or uh, sorry, Kalamazoo, where, where, where House makes a, a tremendous save, That's a, it's a game-changing save. Mm -hmm. It's a real difference maker. And I think that the, the thing about these two guys is they make the saves they're supposed to. I mean... You know, some of these shots that they're facing, they're supposed to make those saves. They probably steal about two or three, and then they make about another two that they probably shouldn't have got to. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what I find with both these goaltenders is they're, the way they battle and the way they're focused. And we are so confident in either one of them. You know, if you were to ask me right now who's your uh, starter for the playoffs, <laughs> that, that, that's a tough call because, you know, Brian Foster has been absolutely terrific for us. Uh, his, his maturity, his composure – you know, Michael Hauser's been on the big stage in, 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 in Major Junior Memorial Cup. That's a tremendous stage for anybody that plays uh, uh, plays hockey to be in a Memorial Cup final. is It's a huge stage, and uh, he's been there, and he's performed, and uh, we have all the confidence in the world in Michael Hauser. So uh, both of these guys make those one or two they probably shouldn't have made a mm -hmm. night and really bail us out, and, and the best part is our guys appreciate it, our guys see it, and they know it, and... Uh, uh, it, it is so great to have two guys like that that you know that can make those saves. I think it's nice, too, when you, you look at the way the season has kind of ebbed and flowed in terms of the goaltending. At first, as you all know, it, it was a three-man rotation at times where you had Z come in and try to get some time and then sandwiched between call-ups. Uh, Foster was in for an extended. And then uh, of late, it had been Hauser with uh, six consecutive starts up until last night. So uh, as much as you say, all right, well, uh, that was what it was, but now you have that knowledge base that, that – Either of those two goaltenders are very capable and confident in going long distances, playing a lot of games in a short amount of time, and not worrying so much. So maybe as much as you not want to get into that situation, where now you do have a distinct number one in Michael Hauser for the next, hope maybe even six weeks, depending on how Jose Theodore's rehab goes, you're not worried that, all right, can he go five or six in a row without having trouble? No question, Michael Hauser, if we are in a four and five situation, three and three, whatever, Michael Hauser is very capable of uh, carrying a heavy, heavy workload. Uh, we're very fortunate right now that we don't have that. Um, you know, we're going to play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. We'll have a few days off. Our, our workload really isn't until we get down to uh, south there. We have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm -hmm. Fort Myers, Fort Myers, Orlando. So uh, even that, Michael Hauser is a competitor. Uh, there's a reason the Florida Panthers uh, signed him. Uh, you know, there's a reason why he's had tremendous success. There's, you guys all know his story. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been up here telling his story. Um, he's a kid you don't want to count out. You would never count Michael Hauser out in any situation. And uh, whatever it is, uh, he can carry any kind of heavy workload that we present to him. I think it's great, too. This is one, one thing about uh, being in sports, from, from working in, in baseball, working in football now, and obviously in hockey. Uh, you've been in your entire career uh, working in different locker rooms as coaches and players. There is a sense of confidence on this team. There is a, a true sense of every night we've got a shot, no matter if we're down by a goal, down by three goals, we can come back in a game. And there's a fine line between being overconfident and cocky and just composed and confident. And I think this team has really been able to strike a good balance. They're, they're strong in their mentality. They're happy with where they're at. But they know there's still a lot of work to be done as they move down this next final stretch of the regular year. I, I think the, the biggest thing I can say is respect. I think um, they respect uh, how hard it is to win hockey games. It's, it, the respect it takes to put a string of games together. And, uh, you know, respect for the other teams that, that they're good hockey teams. We're beating good hockey teams. And... Uh, even some of the teams that are below us in the standings that 
you know, you still have to show respect. And mm -hmm. I think our guys showed a lot of class last night. It, the, the game got out of hand a little bit at nine, whatever. And, uh, you know, I think there's a tremendous respect factor there for for what we're doing. And you're right, Nick, there's a fine line between, you know, being cocky and, and stuff like that. But I think what uh, the line we're towing right now is that um, guys are feeling good. They want to enjoy themselves. Mm -hmm. We got to enjoy these moments. I, you know, you don't want to take that away from these guys. I mean, this has uh, been a tremendous ride so far, and you don't want to take away from it. You want to continue to build on it, and you have to enjoy it. You know, to sit there and say, you know, let's focus on it. Enjoy this game. Enjoy this victory. Enjoy these moments, and let's focus. And uh, it, it's been a great thing, and I think the respect that our players have shown towards what it takes to be successful has been tremendous. It's question time or comment time, depending. And Mike Kyle Sr. is with us to offer up our first of the night. Mike, go ahead. Thanks, Nick. Coach. First of all, I'd like to put a shout-out for uh, a DeVore family from Georgetown, Kentucky. Okay. Die-hard Cyclone fans. It's tough with school and work to be at the coach's show. Sure. But we have a little special gift for uh, Coach and the teams. Okay. So, uh, Come on up. Little poster for the oh, lineup. hey, thanks Perfect. a lot, guys. That is Very awesome. Nice. Very Thank you. nice. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much, guys. The girls made it. We appreciate I'll that. I'll put that in my we, office. Thanks, we guys. We appreciate that. Thanks a lot, senior. We have another question before we take a break. How maybe you doing? A, maybe a couple. Um, the last week um, game against Trenton, it was like in the third period, I think it was the last goal, and they tripped one of our players. And the referee made a call, he's got an automatic goal. Now my question is, when do we get an automatic goal and when do we get a penalty shot? Uh, That's a good the, question. The reason there was an automatic goal is because they pulled their goalie and our guy had a clear-cut breakaway. Dan Eves had a clear-cut breakaway into an empty net and they pulled him down. So the referee calls that an automatic goal. If the goalie was in net, it would have been a penalty shot. So it's because they had pulled the goalie and Danny's was in clear, and their guy pulled him down. They call it an automatic goal. Yeah, that's the difference. If yes. the goalie was in net, it would have been a penalty shot. They they were assuming that, that Dan Eves wouldn't miss the net, and I, I don't yeah. think I don't think he would have. He he doesn't miss too many times in an empty net now, especially from that distance. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it was a, a curious moment because I don't think I've ever seen it live happen that way. But certainly that uh, that was a, a good question, and I know a lot of fans had that same question as we move through. Go ahead, Mike Jr. with your question. What's up, Derek? Hey, Mike Jr. How you doing, bud? Good job. Good job this uh, this whole month, and thank you. Great job on the whole year. You guys are thank looking good. Thanks, Jr. Um, keep up the good work, and uh, let's get after Florida. Hey, perfect, man. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate your questions. And, and I think the other thing that, that goes without really saying is that, that you played so well uh, at home, but also on the road. And, and that's sometimes a tougher task to do than you would think. A at the end of last night's game, you picked up another victory on the road, which now gives you the top winning percentage of any team in the ECHL on the road. And that, uh, again, it, it kind of fits into the mold of what this team has done. But at the same time, uh, you have to be impressed with the ability to go into places where uh, you obviously it's tough to win on the road every night, but uh, your road schedule has been brutal at times, whether it be the opponent or just the amount of games played. To come out 70% out of uh, out of 100 is is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean it's such a it's such a grind sometimes, and it's a grind on the road. And uh, again, I, I I can't say enough about what goes on in that locker room. I mean, I I really believe coaches get sometimes. Uh, uh, you know, you obviously you get all the criticism when you're losing and, and sometimes you get, you know, credit. I, these guys are battling. I mean, they want to be here. They want to win. These guys just, uh, you know, this time of year is fun because I'm not saying you're not coaching. You're always coaching, but it's, um, they, they, they kind of run the room. It's their, it's their locker room. It's the, the pride is there, uh, from every guy. And if someone doesn't have it, uh, either they're going to, you know, make sure they do, or they won't be here. And, uh, uh, it's amazing to see when guys just can step into our lineup. Like a Jack McClellan was here a week and a half. He absolutely loves this hockey team. He wants to be here. He wants to help us out. He's here a week and a half just because he can feel the energy in that yep. room and the pride. And then, 
you know, and let's not make no mistake, stepping out in front of 8,000 people at the U.S. Bank Arena, people are going to be excited. Makes so, a big difference. Uh, good clap to you guys. Thank you for all your support. Absolutely. Coming out because it makes a tremendous difference, and uh, uh, these guys respond to it. We will take a break, come back with our special guest, our first of two tonight, Director of Player Development for the Florida Panthers, Mr. Brian Scrudland is with us on the other side of this timeout with Jared Scaldi on Nick Brunker on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Back again for another segment here on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Back with a coach in a bit, plus Mike Embach before too long. But for the time being, please welcome my next guest, a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He is the director of player development for the Florida Panthers, the Cyclones Parent Club. Please welcome Mr. Brian Scrudland. Welcome in. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, spending a few minutes with us, carving out a few minutes of your evening. I guess, uh, obviously, the, the big question is, uh, when you, you know, segue away from, from playing and then go back to whether civilian life, if you will, was there a transition period where uh, it, it took you some time to get back into hockey, or did you jump right in to maybe a track to where you are right now? Well, I wanted to prove to myself, first of all, I, c I could handle a real job. <laughs> uh, playing a game my entire life was, of course, uh, the opportunity to live a dream. And, and uh, so shortly after, well, as a matter of fact, immediately right after I joined the, um, uh, retired in 2000, joined the Calgary Flames in an upper management position. Uh, within a half a season was behind the bench as an assistant coach with that club for two and a half years. And, and uh, then got into the oil and gas industry. I live out in Calgary, Alberta. And... Uh, did that for four years, thoroughly enjoyed that, but uh, realized very quickly that my passion is uh, definitely in this game of hockey. Mm -hmm. uh, I went down to an alumni event in Florida and realized they never had a, a person in the director of development position, which uh, I, I realize now, and hopefully others do as well, that uh, there is an importance to that position and, and uh, offering some advice to some of these kids. We're mm -hmm. having the opportunity to work with uh, quality people like Jared and, and uh, Chuck Weber, our coach in, in San Antonio. And so it just, uh, you know, it sort of snowballed. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I know that uh, people are saying, well, you mustn't be doing a very good job because <laughs> Florida is really, really <laughs> having a tough time. But we've yeah. got we've got some uh, wonderful young prospects, of, as you people have seen here in Cincinnati, as well as in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. We're really excited about our future. We're still a year or two away, but this is what it's all about, and, and uh, getting that opportunity, and you're seeing the Brian Fosters, you're seeing the Garrett Wilsons, uh, you know, it's a revolving door down here, and yeah. I, I think it's probably one of the toughest positions to be a, a head coach, uh, you know, constantly trying to learn new personalities, new learn, learn new people, uh, what they do best, uh, you know, Jared's got to entrust in our staff as well, and, and uh and when we do offer him some new players and in different positions, he's got to trust that that guy's offering him what he's asked for. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, and, 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 and the challenges for these young players as well. Uh, you mentioned all of a sudden you're, you're playing with 14, 15, 16 players mm -hmm. on a certain evening when, when there should be 18, 19. And, uh, you know, that in itself has its own challenges. So... Um, we try and make life as easy as we possibly can on Jared Scaldi, but uh, that's not always uh, the way it turns <laughs> out either. Ain't that the truth? And, and, and you Cyclone fans as well, obviously. You were the first ever captain for the Florida Panthers, and, and you have a chance to go back uh, and work with a team that, that you worked so hard to get uh, in and back to the, the finals off the first few years and ended up going to the Stanley Cup Finals in 95-96 to take on the Avalanche. It's got to be great now, looking back, to, to get back to a place where you helped kind of build that, that program down there to, to begin, and now here we are years later trying to, to build from the ground back up again. Well, and that's the message is uh, we were able to, to do that off of a, a bunch of – I guess has-beens at that point in time. It was the expansion draft. It was uh, all of us gathered down there with the idea that, well, we weren't wanted by our parent teams, by our, our, uh, the teams we were with at the time. So it, it created opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. And when you have an opportunity, as, uh, as Brian Foster will encounter, as Garrett Wilson will encounter, as, as uh, Justin Vive, and the list goes on and on, the people that have been here and come and gone, uh, it's all about what they do with that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, we, we hope and wish each one of them the best. But the bottom line here is that this game is about winning. Yeah. And uh, 
when you're a professional in, in any capacity, uh, you're paid to win hockey games, and, and that's the reality of life. And, and so, you know, you try and narrow it down to something as simple as that for these kids to, well, these young men now, uh, to, to realize that there, there aren't any other alternatives. This is about winning, and, and uh, success is what hockey's all about. Even in the last five years, the, the way people are watching games, uh, heck, uh, Jared and I were on the bus, and we were trying to dial up the, uh, the Red Wings-Blackhawks game because it was the national uh, broadcast uh, game of the week. And so right. uh, being on the bus, we have DirecTV, and there is no local channel, so we couldn't get on NBC. So we dialed it up on, on our computers and watched it live on our, on our computers, which is great. But I imagine you know, using that as an example, just the way fans access the games is so much different than as, as little as three or four years ago. Thinking back to, to your pathway to, to the, the director of development, how has the way you've done your job changed over the years? Well, I can be, uh, I can be in Timbuktu and watch a <laughs> hockey game, as you just mentioned. Yep. Uh, that's the, that's the uh, advantages of the world we're living in today, and, and as I look around the room I'm sure that uh, well actually this is pretty quiet right now usually <laughs> people are out and looking usually it's looking down and uh, texting a friend that lives in Timbuktu so uh, you know it, it that has allowed us I guess to uh, to not only hear the opinion of Jared Scaldi when we talk about certain individuals but mm -hmm. it gives us an opportunity uh, to really be able to hone in if we've honed in on a certain athlete and we're saying that this is the guy we're really targeting as being our next left winger yeah um, gives me every chance in the world to be able to watch him evaluate him from my perspective evaluate him from hearing from Jared's comments uh, uh, Chuck Weber in San Antonio etc I mean the the, uh, the the communication today has enhanced not only our lives but has enhanced mm -hmm. in the quality of of how we get to determine who gets that opportunity and and uh, and you know it also gives us a chance to be able to challenge one another so it's always just not a one-way conversation anymore. I mm -hmm. think that, and, and as much as uh, that was probably appreciated <laughs> back in the day, uh, you know, I, I think we, by challenging one another, we continue to make each other a little bit better every day as well. As you look at things in this, this landscape of hockey, this year was challenging maybe more so than others because of the uncertainty of the National Hockey League schedule. And, and I imagine, too, for, for somebody in your position, your goal was to get the younger players to, to the NHL and work their way up. Uh, has this year uh, affected the way you operate business or, or for you, since you're working with the younger your players anyway, was it a status quo situation? Well, what it's done is it's, it's, it created, for those NHL guys that, that thought, well, the lockout's on, I think I'll probably spend a little more time at home and mm -hmm. I'll go to the gym, I might work out with my buddies and rent some ice and Comparative-wise to those kids that have played in the ECHL all season long, comparative-wise to the young players who've played in the American Hockey League all year long, uh, it has created job opportunities like crazy for those who have been ready, who have been in this on their normal lifestyles and starting up in, in September and, and uh, furthering it on through. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, come January, here the NHL ends their lockout. Um, these kids have now been playing for three, four months uh, versus some of the pros who got off to slow starts. Yep. All of a sudden found themselves taking a, ba taking a back seat to a, a Drew Shore, um, you know, and, and a Jonathan Huberto, and who was playing junior hockey. Uh, the, I'm just talking about the, the parent club, sure. uh, Panthers, uh, as an example. But it, it really was all the way across the National Hockey League. We saw, we saw these challenges that teams were having. And... and uh, one of the biggest things was is that there just isn't time to wait mm -hmm. for that player to come out of this funk. There isn't time to, to wait for that player to be at 110% as he would be at this point in sure. time of the year. Um, so those guys who went and, and committed themselves, and hockey players are hockey players. You're paid to play hockey, yeah. go play hockey. And that was a message that we left with all of our guys, even though the message couldn't be strong and clear because once a lockout, you lose communication with these right, players. And right. uh, but uh, that was the one message that I had for all of our young players. Make sure that you're ready. All it might take is one phone call, one good hockey game, and there you all of a sudden, uh, it's like winning the lottery. Yep. Your, your salary went from 40000 <laughs> to to $1.2 million overnight. And, yep. and uh, you know, it's an amazing game in that regard today, and you've got to find what motivates you, what makes you want to get there. And uh, let's face it, uh, money never has been that bad of a motivator yeah. for 
for most of us anyway, yet at the same time, uh, that silver cup is really what we play for. No, no doubt about it. You won a couple of those. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. Also, uh, staying on the theme of, of developing players, like any coach, you have checklists. You're looking for certain things. As a, a developmental director, trying to, to hone in on the guys, this is our future. This is the guy that, that maybe just needs that extra chance at yeah. the next level to, to maybe expose what he really is, and which is a, a great hockey player and an asset to the group. Uh, what are the top two or three things, and maybe there are more, uh, that you look for as you're looking Looking at a game, whether it be a junior game, somebody overseas, or even one of your own guys in the system, that you, you look and say, all right, he's got this. Yep, he's got this. Okay, we got that too. Well, to start with, uh, that list starts with our scouts. Um, and that is the one thing that I, I feel so fortunate about is our scouting team has done such a wonderful job the last two years that I've been present. Uh, number one, you can't teach passion. Uh, a passionate hockey player, a passionate uh, uh, person in life. You, you, you can't replace the emotions in these people. And uh, uh, most would say, Nick, that they probably feel that <laughs> in, in your voice every yeah, time well, they, you open your mouth when, when, when this team's on the road. Uh, I felt it over there uh, listening to you earlier. And, and so that's number one. I, you know, there's, there's certain things I'd love to take credit for and say that I, I am able to at least change and and somehow maybe make a difference in these people's lives, but there are some things that you can't change. And, and passion is the one thing. Obviously, you have to have a certain skill level mm. first and foremost as well to, to even get have the opportunity of being drafted. And um, then there's always those, uh, those guys that have never quit. They've always been the underdogs, uh, you know, and that second effort, which I guess partly comes with passion as well, and never ever saying that it's over. Uh, you know, they told me at the age of 14, or well, actually at the age of 9 and 10 and 11, mm -hmm. that, uh, sorry, but your skating is too poor. You'll never play at that level, and that's what won't take you there. Well, it's amazing how uh, I refuse to say mm -hmm. never, uh, no, and, uh, and uh, etched myself out a 17-year professional career, which I'm very proud of today, and, and it's a message that I think that I can use as, a, as an advantage to be able to help some of our young players that, there's days that, uh, you know, Coach Scaldi didn't play me and <laughs> Coach Scaldi didn't do this. And, of course, the finger always gets pointed at the coach. Yeah. But um, I usually use that mirror test with these kids and tell them, hey, if you can ask the same questions into that mirror and that guy ain't lying back, there's something that to be said there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I'm trying to not only make the kids uh, understand that, that a lot lays in, on, on their own shoulders, but as well, let's stop pointing the fingers and uh, let's look at uh, your coach's as somebody who's going to mentor you and help you along the way. You look at your career, and, and you mentioned just that that never-give-up attitude. Uh, you won a Stanley Cup in your first year with Montreal, and then you won it again in uh, the late 90s. 100 with the, years uh, later. Yeah, well, with, with the uh, Dallas Stars that year. And, and, and you think about all that hockey that you played, and you worked hard every, every year, tried to continue to get back every year. It's the same goal, win that Stanley Cup. And, and to have won, too, is an amazing feat in and of itself. Obviously, something that you will probably never forget the moments when you actually got to, to touch that thing and lift it over your head. But at the same time, I got to think the way that you won them in terms of the timing is also a pretty good motivator to explain to some of these younger kids that you can win one, that's hard enough. But to win two, it, it may take <laughs> 20, 30 years if it ever happens again. Right. Is that story something that, that you bring up at all, or is, th is that kind of just without saying because it's in your hockey DB and it's in your, in your roster? Well, I, I hate to tell them this story, but I say, you know, it's uh, uh, out of 15 years at the National Hockey League level, I, I did get to the finals five times, which, is, uh, which was quite a, a, a thrill. I mean, you know, there was all these things. We talked about the money. We talked about yep. the, you know, the camaraderie. Uh, yeah, there's nothing like sharing a cold beer with a, a teammate after a game, but there was something every night about that silver cup, and I... I, I I played the game for one real true purpose, and that was to uh, to win the Stanley Cup. And I think through time, you, you just you uh, you really hone what what got you there, and 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 talk about it, and talk about it. And other guys have different reasons, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, that was really the only purpose for wanting to play the game of hockey. And and. Uh, I had dreams as a young man, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I feel like the for most fortunate guy in the world, actually, uh, to be able to live a dream and, and talk about it and still share those, uh, share 
all those stories and well can't share them all of course <laughs> well, uh, yeah as, uh, as it is but uh <laughs> but really it's it, it's been uh, i've been very fortunate in my life and and i certainly know that uh that it wasn't all me i wouldn't have been here without the support of my family wouldn't have been out here without the support of some wonderful coaches uh friends uh so it's uh, it's the whole ball of wax, and they've got to understand that as well. What is your favorite part about this job? I mean, I know there's a lot that goes into it, like you mentioned, but is there one thing that you could say, this is my favorite part about being the director of player development? Uh, learning the different personalities, getting to know the different families. You know, the, the old saying, the apple doesn't fall from the tree. Yeah. Uh, love to, uh, when the kids are in junior or college, et cetera, I love to spend some time with the families. You get to know them, you sort of see what, what ticks the whole group mm -hmm. uh what what gets them going and and uh, so i've really enjoyed that and as well as a travel i've uh been to some wonderful places of course cincinnati being one of them we had a exhibition game when i was with the calgary flames years back uh we had an exhibition game here in cincinnati it was sold out the crowd was uh fantastic as they are for the cyclone games and uh so the different people yourself included uh just having the opportunity of sharing uh, stories and Hearing other people's stories, too, uh, as much as I like to talk, and Skulls <laughs> will let you know that for sure. I love to, uh, I've got some pretty big ears on me, too, and I love to listen to the stories. Well, we really appreciate you uh, sharing a few of yours with us tonight and with everybody here, and uh, best of luck the rest of the season working with the Panthers and the Rampage and the Cyclones. Hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to witness some, uh, some hard work come one of these teams' ways over the course of the next few months. Thanks a lot for being with I us. I wish you the best as well. Thank Thanks. you so much. That's Brian Screwlet, everybody. We'll Thank take you. another timeout. Come back with Mike Embach on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to the Cincinnati Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. We are back for another segment here on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. A couple minutes with the coach in just a few minutes. My next guest had a career night last night. He scored four goals and an assist. Welcome, Mike Embach. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Take me through last night because I, I, I can't even imagine what it was like for you because as the broadcast went on, I'm like, they shoot and score again, and then they <laughs> score again. And for, for you, obviously, uh, getting one is great, a two is great, you get the third one is great, and you're thinking, I got a chance to get a more. All the meanwhile, you hit a couple posts, you yeah. had a couple chances in front of the net that just went wide. Uh, it was a night where, very honestly, this guy could have had six goals, if not seven. Tell me what it was like for you yeah. As each goal went by, well, the first one was a breakaway. I thought I was going to get yelled at because I didn't get back into the D zone, but Biff, <laughs> threw, <laughs> but Biff threw it up to me pretty quick, and uh, I actually shot it. And Dane's the goalie was uh, playing last night for Evansville. I got to play with him last year in Chicago, so I know him pretty well. He was my road roommate, but uh, it went through his legs, and then he had it stopped. Yeah, I, I called and it. That like way I was too. watching, watching from the side, like, wait a second, he doesn't have it. Like, kind of <laughs> rolled through, and. I, first one I was like okay yeah that's awesome you know second period yeah and I already had an assist so second time of the year I think I got a first period point usually mm -hmm. I don't start till halfway point of the game <laughs> to do well so that was awesome but then same shift we came down and Pac-Man cut across and uh I think he might have got it poked away but it got to me and kind of faked the shot and Dane bit really hard uh -huh. and I came around the net and had to open that for a wrap round I was like okay two goals one shift this never happens <laughs> <laughs> uh, then the period kept going. The boys were rolling. It was just a good game. We had a lot of chances. I feel like the, we really took advantage of their D and their offensive zone last night, so that was good. And the third one, just uh, puck went up to Arnie, and he shot it. And then I had just talked to Dayton, too, when he came back to the bench to get a water bottle for it at the TV timeout. And I was like, hey, Paulie, just one more, man. Just let me get one more. <laughs> what did he, he say to you? He just laughed and uh -huh. looked away, but it ended up happening because the next <laughs> shift that Arnie took a shot and I got a rebound and I had another open net, so it was awesome. Were you as surprised as I was that they left Paul Dainton in as long as they did? You talk about leaving the guy in the hook. I was completely shocked. What are you doing? Yeah. For eight? And yeah. then you're going to take him yeah. out? Yeah, uh, just you've given up eight. That's enough. Yeah. I've seen enough. I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Obviously, so. the way the game looked for you, it was as if everything slowed down around you. When you're playing in a game like that, to, yeah. Does it does it actually feel like things around you are moving slower than they, they normally are, or is it just the same old, but pucks are going into the net? Yeah, pucks were finding their way in the net, but yeah, yeah I don't know. It was just I was pretty much double shifting the whole game too because right, exactly. we lost big, sweet, and easy. I was just telling um, Scalds, I was like, I, I wasn't even tired. I don't know. Obviously, emotion was playing a part in it. I was just having fun yesterday because things were working, but... Yeah, I guess you're right. Pucks just found their way in that, but it did seem like things were slowing down, and all the boys kept telling me to keep shooting because I had a hot stick, so 
I'm usually pass first for the most part. <laughs> but yesterday, everyone was like, shoot, every <laughs> Why time. Not? So, and it kept working. The obvious question, what did you do differently yesterday than you have over the course of the season? Was there something, that X factor, that gave you a five-point night? Well, besides going to Montgomery Inn on Thursday and feeling full for three days after <laughs> and not being able to move till Sunday because of rib fest. Um, Good choice. I didn't Good have choice. pasta before the game. I went to Chipotle and got a burrito. So I imagine Wednesday's Wednesday's pregame <laughs> meal will be Chipotle. Will it? Yeah, not? I might. I had it again today, just in celebration. <laughs> I, might, I might go again on Wednesday, though. Sure. You were uh, the first Cyclone player since 2008 to register a four-goal game. You see the answer here on my screen, so don't I, say any. Okay. I read it. Uh, we'll obviously uh, announce who that is, but for anybody who can get it correctly, can go back to see Stephanie, who I think is hanging out in the back, and can actually get 10 points addition for just being here, for Cyclones Rewards members, that is. So if you know the correct answer, you can go back to her, and she will give you 10 extra points if you can get it correctly. At the end of the show, we'll announce it, and hopefully that will be uh, a way for you to have cashed in 10 extra points. Last time a Cyclone had four goals in a game. And uh, it's, in case you were curious, I, I was curious, so I looked it up. Uh, it, you were one of just three players who have ever scored for the Cyclones a hat trick in the same period, where all three of the hat trick goals were in the same period. So I thought that's a pretty interesting statistic. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Anyway, anyway, um, as we move through, you mentioned the short staffing of, of the Cyclones team of late and double shifting and, and trying to be, uh, you know, maybe harnessing as much energy as you can, holding Stride back a management. bit. Exactly. Is that something that has been difficult? Of a, of, a of a challenge because it doesn't appear from a broadcast position or from a fan position that it has really hampered this group because you played a handful of games under uh, the normal number, obviously mm -hmm. the least of which last night at 14. Is there a reason why things are, are moving so fluidly without the amount of players you have? I don't know. I think we just got good chemistry as lines and everybody really finds a way into uh, every role. You know, Scalds had touched on it earlier. Guys, first line to third line like Pac-Man. Yep. No matter what role he needs to play, everyone's capable of doing it. And I think uh, even though, yeah, we've been short-staffed and stuff, we talked about not the cockiness or arrogance, yeah. but we feel like we can win, and we're just riding the streak, so keep it going. Boy, I got to think, yeah, we talked about this the last time you were on the show uh, a few weeks ago, uh, how much <laughs> different it is 12 months later. Uh, at this time last year, you were on the Chicago Express uh, trying to fight your way into a postseason spot and obviously losing out thanks to the Cyclones heroics in the final game of the season. Yeah, uh, you but, guys but got knocked out too. Yeah, hey, but we won. We went out, we went out uh, with, a, with a win. But regardless of that, regardless of that, uh, you talk about how closely knit uh, this team is, and Jared and I kind of alluded to it a bit before, but I, I think it makes such a big difference this time of year when you, you go into a locker room. Certainly success breeds that, that attitude, but uh, you're on a, a, such a different group from one year to the next. Yeah. How has that been for you, experience-wise? It's awesome. It's way more fun coming to the rink every day, knowing you're getting a battle every night to be in first place in the division instead of... In the conference. In the conference. Yeah, the, yeah sorry. And instead of clawing your life every night, like, oh, five more games so we get to go home. Yeah. Ten more games. Sorry. And then, oh, wait, we might have a playoff shot. <laughs> Never mind. We're going home anyway. So, yeah, now it's awesome. <laughs> I, I got to think, though, that at the, en at the end of the day, though, the attitude of the group... It kind of compounds on itself. Like as as guys get confident, as, mm -hmm. as guys kind of welcome each other in, everybody's pumped, everybody's happy, and so then then they are all pumped and they have a good game, and then you of course have a, have a great night, and yeah. so you're in a great mood, of course, and and then so maybe that that rubs off on some other players, and as we mentioned, not everybody on this team has had uh, a four or five point night yet. Most of this group has had a multi-point game or a three-point night. Everybody is, is in the mix. Yeah. It's not like one guy has taken uh, the ball, so to speak, and run with it. Right. Everybody has the ability of putting that puck in the net, kind of like you did, on yeah. a given night. And that has to be nice, not feeling like you've got to shoulder the load to pick up a win every night. Yeah, Scalds and I were just talking about it too. Like when we were, when the first, uh, the streak started like a like week and a half, two weeks ago. Yeah, on the 22nd. We had three lines going every night, you know. The scoring was spread out. Everyone's doing well. Yep. So that's easy. And I feel like everybody feeds off each other. Scalds and Mac are real positive in the locker room on the bench. And from there, everybody just, oh, we're down one. That's fine. We'll get it right back, boys. You know, let's keep it going. It's Everyone's positive throughout the game. You had a five-point night on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. What do you predict after your Chipotle burrito that you will get 
on Wednesday night. We're playing Florida, right? So hopefully, Correct. hopefully Nagel starts. Who's my roommate in college? He, he owes me a couple goals. Well, we know Rob <laughs> Rob Mador Rob Mador is not he's not there. He got called up. So yeah. I think you got a pretty good shot at facing. Yeah, either way though, him. I know Robbie too. See, exactly. Him, so so, yeah. so they both owe me something. The answer will be: what the, Are you going to call your shots right now? Or are you just going to let that ride? I got a lot of right. I, the boys better keep the winning streak going. Yeah, that's all that matters. And that's now. the most important key. Give it up for Mike Embach, everybody. Congratulations on last night, man. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, yeah, you do. He has, yeah. one, he has a shout-out. So my childhood best friend has always told me as playing pro hockey, oh, you're going to one day give me that ESPN shout-out. But since ESPN refuses to play hockey highlights and anything, True I told story. him the cycle and hockey radio show is the best thing he's got. So, uh, <laughs> Neil, I hope you're listening at home now. Here you go. Very nice. Very nice. We'll take a brother. No, no, final timeout. Come back with the head coach next on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Final segment of the show is right uh, upon us here as we're just a few minutes away from the top of the hour, looking ahead to three more games this week. The magic number to clinch a Kelly Cup playoff berth is at six. And so as this week continues, we will certainly keep you updated as much as we can on uh, the Cyclones' hopeful clinch by the weekend. Certainly some help will be nice from the Kalamazoo Wings as well, as they are the team right now sitting in ninth, which kind of have that hinge pin on, uh, on where the Cyclones stand right now. But with that out of the way, we look ahead to the week, and certainly a Florida team that, much like Kalamazoo last weekend, is playing with a sense of, we got to play as well as we possibly can over the next few weeks because although they're in right now, it is going to be a dogfight, no pun intended, towards the end of the season to stay where they are and stay on the inside looking out rather than the other way around. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two types of teams we're going to face over the next little bit. There's going to be some dangerous teams and some desperate teams and uh, some motivated teams like the Florida Everblades that uh, on Wednesday, you know, they, they need to get points. They want to establish themselves, first of all, solidify a playoff spot. Um, and second of all for positioning and then you'll get a team like uh, you know Trenton the following week that mm -hmm. uh, you know they're dangerous too because they got nothing to gain nothing to lose and of course three more against Evansville so there, there, there's a different game plan a different um, or, uh, not necessarily game plan but a different mindset mm -hmm. with all these teams where you know our focus is going to be potentially Florida might be a first round matchup maybe yep. it's a, a matchup down the road and we need to establish ourselves against them uh, they beat us up here last time. Uh, I thought they are a very good team. We still got three more games against them. So, uh, you know, Wednesday for me is a, a huge moment in, uh, in this the rest of the way because, uh, like I said, we've got them three times and uh, potential first-round matchup. Looking forward to Wednesday. It should be a whole lot of fun. And, uh, can't, of wait. Can't, can't wait. Can't wait. Enjoy your <laughs> evening. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for everybody for stopping by and enjoying our show tonight. Thanks to Brian Scrudland as well, and thanks to Mike Embach and all of you. We'll see you Wednesday night at U.S. Bank Arena. Good night, everybody.